Welcome back to Reply Guys, the leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us. I'm Kate Willett. I'm Julia Clare. How are you doing, Julia? We're doing great. I went to a party last night and I brought a bottle of wine and then drank most of it, uh, which I think is the only way to bring alcohol to a party. But I know you don't drink. But anyways, I I let myself drink like once a month. So, if that, so anyway, I was, uh, you know, I have a firm, no drinking policy, (laughs) acid only straight edge, except for acid. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah. So anyways, I'm sweating a lot today, which is, uh, pretty, pretty great. Um, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm flying to LA this week. Oh yeah. You're doing your, your comedy central taping. I'm taping something for comedy central taping. Exciting. Yes, I am excited. You should be. It's so cool. Um, what, I mean, another week of, of too much news. I know that my, my subconscious is being infected because I've started to have dreams about the news. I had a dream last night, uh, about Joe Biden that I was trying to convince him to support Medicare for all. And that is how I know I need a digital detox because I refuse to have Joe Biden in my dream. He is so <laughs> terrible. Okay. So, you know, I mean, obviously things could change, but it is looking like the race is now really shaping up to come down to Sanders, Warren and Biden. Yeah. And I know that I am starting to get terrified that oh, Biden yeah. is going to win. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. It's um, way too early to say, but Yeah, I mean, I think if if Biden's other two presidential runs are any indication we we have a long way to go. There's still a really long time until the Iowa caucuses. I truly don't see Biden winning Iowa or New Hampshire. We have a long way to go. And the more chances he has to show himself to be ineffectual, the better. I mean, he is out of it. Biden told a story about a uh, fallen soldier who was shot. Um, The guy climbed down a ravine, um, carried another guy on his back under fire. um, And supposedly the general wanted uh, Biden to pin the silver star on him. So the Washington Post dug into this and they determined that Biden got the time period, the location, the heroic act, the military branch, the rank of the recipient wrong, as well as his own role in the ceremony. He got nothing right about this. Okay, so that's everything about the story. Yeah, (laughs) and I feel like this is a mixture of things because Biden's been a liar for a long time. Like He was plagiarizing and telling untruths even 30 years ago. He's he's also just like... But he's old. old. Yeah, he's really old. And he's not Bernie old. Bernie is like zesty old. Yeah. This is what I... You know, because they're like the same age. So... I don't know. Biden just—he's. Uh, thank you for your service. Please drop out. Yeah, um, I mean, 
I'm just, I'm, I do remain very concerned that Bernie and Warren are going to split the progressive vote and uh, Biden is just going to run up the middle and take the nomination. But I do think that he has continually lost numbers. He's still in first, but he is nowhere near the lead he had when he announced, um, which I think was a huge, like, name recognition thing. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I, th- I, I have to be optimistic that it... That people will continue, that his support will continue to erode, but it is uh, worrying. It feels like it's not eroding enough as it should be. I mean, like, he is, he is someone that it feels like almost no one is enthusiastic about. Maybe some people I don't know are enthusiastic about yeah, him. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it's just by virtue of where we live. Um, unfortunately, I think... But I just haven't seen, I haven't seen like any really enthusiastic Biden fans. And that could be because they're old and they're not on Twitter, but I still feel like I think that's it with Hillary Clinton. There were like millions of people, especially women that were so enthusiastic to vote for her. There was pantsuit nation. Yeah. There were were young people who were excited about her. I think that it is truly Biden has cornered a sector of the boomer vote that we that you know they show up to the polls every four years so that's a little troublesome but anyways i don't want to talk we already had an entire episode dragging joe biden if you want to listen to that i love to drag joe biden and i'll do it every week um but we we should talk about the the climate town hall that happened this week okay well this is a good reason to keep dragging joe biden well yeah because he I mean, besides fucking Amy Klobuchar, it's probably... <laughs> what is she doing? I don't know. She's uh, She just keeps telling everyone that we have to be realistic. And, uh, yeah, so that's her, her big sell for centrism. Um, See, okay, here's the thing that I have been thinking about lately. I feel like centrism has been promoted as this thing that is like, oh, well, we have to be realistic. We have to think about what will beat Trump. Like centrism, the case for centrism is often framed in terms of like, that's the best way to beat Trump. But there's no evidence for that. That's just an excuse that's like, just, oh yeah, you believe in centrism. You know, like, I mean, there's no... Yeah, there's just no real evidence that the people are overwhelmingly excited about centrism. Uh, um, Al Gore lost. He was a centrist. Okay, and to be fair, that election was stolen by the Supreme Court, but it was also close enough that it could be stolen. We had John Kerry lose after that. Hillary Clinton lost after that. Like, I I see no evidence that centrism is a good electoral strategy. Yeah, and I would say... I mean, if you look at the platforms that the, that each person has run on, Joe Biden is going perhaps backwards all the way to Al Gore. Yeah, I mean, Biden is... I think that if you thought Hillary was too woke, Biden is for you. Yeah. <laughs> if your problem with Hillary Clinton was her positive qualities, <laughs> then Biden is your guy. Then guess what? Boy, do we have a candidate for you. Yeah. Um, but I, I see, you know, it's like Obama won 
but people thought he was progressive. Like he was really mobilizing young people. He got huge amounts of voters to turn out for the first yeah. time. This idea that picked up a lot of people from the Occupy movement. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, one could argue that that's why I think wrongly his administration spent the first like two years trying to convince everyone that they were down the middle centrists. Yeah. Um, it was a mistake. Yes. Uh, led by our favorite Rahman. <laughs> <laughs> he said bad words. That's cool. Um, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tired of people positioning their centrism as some kind of rational strategy because we've we, tried it before. We've tried it before. We've tried this strategy so many times. Another <sighs> thing that annoys me is people will talk about, you know, oh, look, there's all these people that uh, will vote for Bernie Sanders and they won't vote for any other candidate. You know, I think the way that that is usually that argument is usually made is like, oh, look at how bad Sanders voters are, because I think people are imagining that there's this like, uh, you know, that it's like some New York purist bro that -hmm. is like, I'm not voting for any Sanders, but that's not who these people are. Like, I think that most of the New York purist bros are probably going to vote for the Democratic candidate. That's certainly what happened last time. Like the people that are only in support of Sanders are mostly people in the middle of the country who are non-voters and independents and they like him. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a good reason to support him. I think the fact that there'll be like a bunch of people who would turn out for him that wouldn't turn out for anybody else if you care about beating trump that's a a good way to go about it i think Uh, yeah i guess we're assuming that the nominee is biden i would hope that if the nominee were warren they would turn out but i don't know i mean independents don't support elizabeth warren as widely no i know and that's why people would come out for her that's why increasingly i mean i've been on the fence about bernie and warren for a long time. Bernie has a certain uh, floor that he will not go below in terms of number, his number, his base, his number of voters. Um, and that's really a, that's actually like a very strong asset to have. Um, he's never go like as precipitously as some of the other candidates have lost support. He will not, um, because he has this kind of intractable base, which I think is a good thing. And I think he's been able to, um, certainly assemble a much larger coalition than in 2016, which is great. Um, but uh, I'm so, I'm just, I'm so upset at the prospect of a Joe Biden presidential candidacy, um, as the nominee, the Democratic nominee, but I have to have faith that, you know, there's a long road to the convention and we've seen larger upsets happen over the course of history. Uh, so I have to imagine that the candidates who people are actually really excited for are the ones who will prevail hopefully i hope so i mean i think to be fair to elizabeth warren i think a lot of the discourse surrounding her is pretty sexist like i think when people are talking about like oh could she beat trump does she have what it takes to beat trump i mean you know a lot of the time those people aren't talking about can she mobilize independent voters they mean like can she as a woman take on this creepy guy and i mean i think she totally can i think she totally could uh people will say that she's not likable and stuff i you know that's just sexist i think that she's untrustworthy i see that a lot on twitter yeah 
<laughs> I mean, like, I think that Bernie's whole strategy is very different than hers, and he's willing yes. to go further in a lot of these policy proposals. He's also, I think, appealing to um, different groups of people. His support among POC is a lot higher. His support among uh, poor people is a lot higher. Like, I think that he's reaching out to a different audience but that is not what most people mean when they say that they don't think elizabeth warren can do it that's not what they're talking about and it sucks because i i definitely think that elizabeth warren is also really great even though she's not my first choice and i feel like a lot of bernie voters will also think that i don't know I think I, I, I was I was a little worried about the polls that said that that among Bernie voters, their second choice was Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that the thing is, is that's because they're talk- maybe maybe that is a name recognition thing. I don't know. But it's uh, that statistic made me a little nervous. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of like old sexists in the middle of the country. I think that that is a lot about name recognition. But yeah, no, people really are definitely sexist. I just mean that I feel like a lot of the media discourse about these issues of likability and stuff have oh, yeah, been very sure. unfair to her. Um, yeah. I don't think the problem with Elizabeth Warren is that she's not likable. Like, I think <laughs> the problem with Elizabeth Warren is that she still thinks that we can solve things like climate change with solutions that still include a big role for the free market or a slightly more regulated market, you know, okay. but that's not what people mean when they're like, Oh yeah, I don't know. She can't do it. They mean that like, Oh, maybe her burns won't be sick enough. And that's <laughs> yeah. really stupid. Like that's a very, very <laughs> stupid way of deciding. Um, I think that it's really dumb to kind of write off the idea that, Oh, here was another thing that I heard. I, I was listening to uh, a slate podcast. I was hate listening to it. And, um, somebody said, we should just focus on beating Trump. And that's like another really similar argument for it's like a, it's a straw man, right? Like there's just, there's no, it is because the only two candidates who have a vision for moving this country forward are Bernie and Warren and how we beat like, we tried to do the just beat Trump thing in 2016 yeah, and it didn't work for us. No, (laughs) hence he's here. Yeah. He's here. And that wasn't a big enough motivator to, you know, get the 400,000 people in Wisconsin to turn out who needed to turn out or whatever. And that's like, we need, the party needs to communicate that it is on the side of working people or else we're fucked indefinitely. Yes. Uh, Indefinitely. Yeah, there's no no two ways about it. And uh, Joe Biden being very cozy with Wall Street and the fossil fuel industry and, uh, yeah, just wanting to do centrism again for four years. You can't go back in time. That's just not how anything works. He's selling us bipartisan civility, which fucking nobody wants except maybe Mitch McConnell so that he can manipulate Joe Biden for another four years. Yeah, I mean... Um, uh, I don't know. I think what a wasted opportunity it would be to have a chance for real change. But I don't even think that we will get there. I think that Joe Biden will lose. So I guess not to be too negative, but if you are a listener to this podcast, uh, please donate to Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, because Joe Biden can suck 
Pathetic. He even, is. even Obama told him, you don't have to do this. <laughs> even his wife is out there being oh, yeah. like, Dr. Uh, Jill. Yeah, I understand. We, we stand Dr. Jill, oh, who's just like, you know, there may be better people than my husband about health care. <laughs> yeah. But you got to think about who can really beat Trump. I feel like that was her throwing shade. I feel like Joe Biden is naughty pussy. I feel like that no, is. No, I don't think, I, I don't think anybody before the year 19... 98 pussy. <laughs> I disagree. I think that there were people eating pussy. Oh, yeah, that Joe Biden was once again on the wrong side of history, not yeah. eating pussy. <laughs> the progressives, the activists, they were out there in the street. They were lobbying for the pussy eating. They were going down. They knew where the clip was. When we look back, someone will play a clip of Joe Biden refusing to eat pussy <laughs> in 1986. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the centrists will frame it as like, well, nobody was eating pussy back then. People were eating that pussy. I'm yeah, I'm I'm shocked. I I actually tweeted about this, and I'm shocked that there that there's a, anytime there is like a sex scene in a movie that shows a man going down on a woman before like 1998. I am shocked. Are you? Yeah, and it's like I think. Coming home is was in the uh, great name <laughs> was in the uh, the 1970s the Jane Fonda movie uh, with John Voight and Bruce Stern. It's really good and it shows John Voight going down on Jane Fonda and I could not believe it. <laughs> it was a very pleasant surprise for me. Anyways, also a movie where you see sex between. Um, a disabled person and an able-bodied person, which I feel like is another thing you don't see that much. Um, so anyways, watch Coming Home. It's a great movie. We are. It's anti-Vietnam. Anti-Biden. <laughs> we are pro-conolingus on this pod. Or, you know, pro-really whatever type of... Every man who I've dated who I look back and I'm like, he was mean, he was not good, he, they never, they never do it. No. Yeah. Or it's like a whole production. <laughs> it's a whole thing. They're like, it's a whole thing. Like, I went down on you. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't I a hero? Yeah. Um, anyways. Should we... Uh, we're, we're should gonna... we talk about the second most important issue of our time? Climate change? Let's get into climate change for a minute. This is, you know, potentially something that will destroy the world. Um, I don't think it is has reached the the heights of importance of cunnilingus but it's still say. very important <laughs> yeah could destroy the world who's to say that not eating pussy could not also destroy the world but <laughs> okay so cnn hosted a seven hour climate town hall so long so long yeah god bless everybody uh, and we did not watch the whole thing boy did we not but neither did you my friends don't we know you didn't don't fucking lie to us yeah uh so some highlights the only only person who watched all seven hours of that was jay inslee just screaming at his tv (laughs) from washington state um r.i.p jay gone but not forgotten um all right, so let's talk a little bit about some highlights. Uh, Biden's eyes started 
bleeding. What's the, the silliest highlight? I mean, he there was. Uh, it's so demonic. It's it's like how uh, Patrick Leahy, that senator from Vermont, one time during like a congressional hearing, he just had like a bandaid on his forehead all of a sudden, and I was, that's what I feel like it's going to happen to Biden. He's just going to like physically deteriorate as this continues to go on. Um, yeah, I think we. You know, the, the most important people to talk about here are obviously the three front runners. Um, I don't really, we don't have to spend time telling you that Amy Klobuchar thinks that we should be realistic and moderate about climate change, which is completely useless. And Andrew Yang talked more about UBI and weird libertarian tech bro shit. Oh, Marianne Williamson DM'd me on Twitter this week. Oh my God. I for, okay. Well, we got to talk about that. She wasn't in the climate town hall, but she did DM me on Twitter. She was... I would say that she was present in the climate town hall in spirit. Yeah. <laughs> she was sending a shower of love and light. Yeah. yeah. She just asked if I would share some stuff on social media and I, I have not. You declined. Uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't decline. Did she think that you were pro? Did her comms team think that you were pro Marianne? I think they probably DM'd all of her verified followers. Okay. I think that's probably what happened. Okay. There was nothing like specific to me. When you sent me that screenshot, I was deeply shaken. I could not believe. Yeah. <laughs> I did kind of think that it was a matter of time though, because both of you have such strong witch energy. I do. And that can only be, you know, mediated for so long. Well, unfortunately I don't think that witch energy is going to, uh, <laughs> It solve climate change. So as much as we want, it as to. much as we wanted to, <laughs> I mean, if which energy was going to solve climate change, Jill Stein would for sure be the president because everybody who had a fucking vision board absolutely voted for Jill Stein. Um, and uh. it just proves that manifesting did not work. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Okay. So let's talk about some of the differences in these climate plans that are being proposed and some highlights from this climate town hall other than Biden's weird demon eye and Anderson Cooper looking incredible. Yeah. What a little hottie. He's so hot. Yes, but he is a very terrible person. I know he's like really rich and he's a Vanderbilt. Yeah. He can, yeah, yeah. It's, he comes from a, a tainted bloodline. Yes. We're coming to terms on this podcast, uh, in real time with the fact that sometimes someone can be a very bad person and very attractive. Uh, yes, I am talking about our friend Tulsi. <laughs> The fact that she God, that hates freaking... me for having homosexual attraction. Uh, that gorgeous silver streak. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren made a really good point in this town hall. Uh, she was asked about... Uh, Basically, she was asked if there should be more government oversight and regulations about like light bulbs and uh, paper and plastic straws uh, or whether the Green New Deal will take your cheeseburgers away. And she said, oh, come on, give me a break. <laughs> this is exactly what the fossil fuel industry hopes we're all talking about. Uh, they want to be able to stir up a lot of controversy around your light bulbs, around your straws, and around your cheeseburgers. When 70% of the pollution, the carbon that we're throwing into the air comes from three industries. So Elizabeth Warren going hard, defending our straws, <laughs> which we love to see it because I hate paper straws 
so much. And the plastic straw debate was a crystallization of the worst kind of like neoliberal solution. I well, think. actually, I've heard climate activists talk about the straw thing and those people know that straws are not the solution to climate change. Like, no, I know, it's but a it's way a- to bring back people's focus to climate change and remind people on a daily basis of what's happening to the planet right now. It's more to kind of get people in the headspace of thinking about climate change on a consistent basis versus actually purporting that it's going to do much. But she is right that these fossil fuel companies do want us to see yeah, climate change individual as, action yes. uh, to be to kind of trump corporate responsibility absolutely um which obviously it never will um because there are basically 10 companies in this in the world that are producing the majority of co2 emissions um and polluting our world so her goals for her plan um by the way she adopted a lot of things from jay Inslee's climate plan which actually made me learn that well, first of all, Jay Inslee is a hero for bringing this issue to the forefront in the way that he did. But kind of looking into the details of his climate plan, they're definitely not as far reaching as Bernie's, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, for somebody who was running on climate, it's kind of weird to me that he wasn't the most aggressive person on climate. But, you know, we'll get into it. So uh, she wants zero, 100% zero carbon pollution from new commercial and residential buildings by 2028, 100% zero emission standards for all new cars, buses, and light and medium duty trucks by 2030, and 100% zero emission energy in electric generation by 2035. She wants to spend three trillion dollars and she has an a minus rating for from greenpeace um a key area where she differs from bernie on stuff is she does not want to nationalize utilities she doesn't want public utilities she wants to have regulation for them um so that they can't pollute uh and that they can't But she I think she said that um, if they want to compete to make better solar panels, that's fine. Um, I definitely think that there is no reason to trust these companies (laughs) to think that they won't like be trying to find massive ways to continue polluting. So. I was following a lot of what Leah Stokes said. She's a professor of climate policy at UCSB. Um, and she was, I'm, I'm still not, I gotta say, I'm still not entirely clear on what public versus private ownership of utilities will effectively change. But she was saying that the nationalization of utilities, many of which are like inherently, as she put them dirty, would not necessarily immediately kind of, be super effectual, but I don't know. But I mean, I think that, I don't think that that's the extent of Bernie's plan. I no, mean, no, no, of course yeah. not. Um, another another thing about Warren's plan that I was interested in because I hadn't even really thought of it was, um, and this was part of her plan before she adopted a lot of Jay Inslee's plan, but um, getting the U.S. military to z- net zero carbon emissions um, because it is the largest. Um, producer of CO2 emissions in the world, which I did not know. Um, So that's kind of something that I didn't really think about. But uh, I read an article in Mother Jones about the 2020 Dems after the climate town hall. 
and their plans. And um, it was written by Rebecca Lieber. And she also talked to Leah Stokes, the professor of climate policy at UCSB. Um, And basically, they both argued that none of the Dems had enough um, in their plans devoted to land use planning and its links to transportation, which is like has really huge effects as it comes um, as it deals with decarbonizing those sectors. Um, but let's talk about Bernie's plan for a second. About it. And we'll circle back to that. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I said circle back. Like we're in a fucking <laughs> office and we're fucking nerds or something like that. I'm going to have to, I'm just, and you know what I'm doing now, um, which is I'm using Kate, F Kate, Kate, if you could uh, hop on a call with me, that would be great. Thank yeah. you so much. And you know what I'm doing now is I'm using the F word to prove that I'm cool, which is a wrong manual Guess strategy. What? Kate, All right. Kate doesn't drink. And she just said, let's circle back. <laughs> so Bernie has an A rating from Greenpeace. He wants to spend $16.3 trillion. He wants the U.S. to be carbon-free by 2050, uh, carbon-free for electricity and transportation by 2030. Um, He is using carbon-free instead of uh, net zero because his plan doesn't account for like potential offsets like for example like plants you can't like pollute and then plant a forest Mm -hmm. like you're just no carbon um zero emissions so this this mother jones article said about uh, bernie's plan what he is suggesting goes to the heart of the american problem of how we think about infrastructure alongside funding for public transit and upgrading water infrastructure he also includes more funding for highways and roads promising more resiliency to climate impacts anybody knows anything about the infrastructure in this country it is crumbling so that is going to be a huge part of our climate policy Anyways, but it is a very aggressive plan, and it's clearly one that is going to throw a lot of money at the problem, which is what is needed. Well, and also it's a plan that is going to really go after the fossil fuel execs, and I have no doubt that he will do that. Mm -hmm. Um, He is really willing, I think, to take on these corporations and shut them down in many cases. Both he and Warren um, are advocating full bans on fracking. And they both don't support nuclear, which honestly, I would be pretending if I said I knew anything about that. I don't know anything. Look, you know, folks, we are doing our best here. This is very complicated (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot about like education and unions. I can't talk to you about nuclear energy. I'm sorry. (laughs) One thing that Bernie said that uh, I thought was really important um, is he was asked about the coal miners we talked about last week. um, And I thought he had a really good answer. Uh, The coal miners in this country, the men and women who work on the oil rigs, they are not my enemy. What is my enemy is climate change. And what we have done is build into our plan, our $16 trillion plan, tens and tens of billions of dollars for what we call a just transition. And that says if some worker through no fault of his own, actually, he said through no fault of his own or her own, he was good. He was good on gender there Uh, (laughs) because we're moving away from fossil fuel. We're going to guarantee them an income for five years, guarantee them education that they need because those workers are not our enemies. And I think, I think that it's a disingenuous for anybody to say that these 
people who might have to change jobs will not be uh, on his mind, which is like, I think what, the way that Republicans always frame it, you know, just like, oh, you know, like uh, nobody cares about them, that they're like yeah. people think that we ignore them. Yeah. But I mean, Republicans have used them, as we said last week, Republicans have used them as kind of like a battering ram for so long. Yeah. And have kind of like weaponized these coal miners who, as we said last week, I'm sure are not like did not grow up wanting to work in a coal mine no. um, and could not be like trained to do anything else of course if you know with the proper foundations uh they could easily be trained for a more sustainable industry that's not so dangerous yeah that isn't going to give them black lung oh my god like do you care about the coal miners republicans do you care about the fact that they all die when they're like 65 (laughs) all right all right i have to go get our guest today we're very excited to to have her um and we think that you're gonna really like this interview with melissa lozada oliva okay thanks Welcome back to Reply, guys. Um, We're very excited to be joined today by an amazing poet and friend and the author of a great book of poetry called Paluda. She's my friend and yours, Melissa Lozada Oliva. Hi. And she also is the host, uh, the co-host of uh, a podcast that I listen to religiously called Say More uh, with Olivia Gatwood, who's another poet. And they just have really these like deep dive conversations and it's like a long distance friendship and it's very cool to listen to what is the podcast about so say more which we started because we like the phrase say more it gives people an opportunity to um like less invasive than like what do you mean by that um (laughs) even though like you know that's what we really mean but yeah conversational podcast we interview guests um artists uh, comedians, poets, musicians, um, just about things that they're particular experts on. So is the same more versus like, what do you mean by that? Uh, is that like a question that you would, or it would that be a phrase that you would use? Like if somebody said something problematic or yeah, it's a good term for people in activist circles also. Um, whatever that means. Is that a term? An activist circle? What do you do there? Um, but like in woke spaces. Yeah. In woke, in woke spaces. Um, yeah. Someone says something like fucked up, like, yeah, you know, not all gay people are good. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can say, say more. <laughs> and I mean, then they can double track on what they say. They can reveal themselves to be fucked up. Or maybe they didn't mean that. Is that <laughs> fucked up though? Not all gay people are good. Oh, we have some bad gay people. That's true. Right. Yeah. 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 Is there something in that philosophy that implies something bigger about how you view like what a good course of action is if somebody says something problematic yeah totally i think um i yeah i feel like there's a lot of like maybe shut down languages uh, shut down language in in those circles sometimes where you're like you didn't know about this fuck you i think um, about that a lot yeah we've talked about that in this yeah. podcast a lot yeah and um like calling people out versus calling them in which yeah. is like mm-hmm. sounds kind of hokey but it's I like know. but calling in is also like super exhausting it's <laughs> super exhausting yeah. maybe you don't I mean, have it's, time it's, to it's yeah. work right. like it and yeah. especially in as far as like you shouldn't have to be continually explaining your personhood to mm-hmm. someone like that's not that's useless work. Right. But it's also like, I mean, I, I even come 
like there are certain like leftist organizations where it's like there's just like so many rules implied like explicit or implicit Mm -hmm. um about language that it's like it almost kneecaps you before you can even say anything and it's very restrictive and i understand that like that those parameters are there for a reason but it like can just feel a little bit like a straitjacket sometimes yeah yeah totally like that's what you're you're spending so much time talking about like the rules of conduct Mm -hmm. and the rules of speech rather than policy and goals and stuff like that that's what it feels like yeah i mean and in this case i might agree with that but the thing is is like there's other things where you know i i wouldn't agree with that like there's situations where i think that you know perhaps like in activist spaces like especially ones that are like really dominated by white guys like there's times that i really think that there needs to be an effort to be more sensitive and and that it has to be like a really kind of concerted effort to do that and there's going to be like guys that think that that is like you know going overboard and alienating so it's i guess the point i'm trying to make is like you're always like potentially alienating somebody Mm -hmm. i feel like whenever i yeah that (laughs) <laughs> sort of conversation is a lot in uh, poetry circles and mm-hmm. like because of that me being like I don't think this is useful right now um, <laughs> why are we talking about this I'm like kind of like a jerk um, anytime I go to mm-hmm. a poetry space I feel like a monster and I think right. Melissa is like kind of in between comedy and poetry in her temperament if you think that yes. that's fair i'm comedy adjacent, comedy adjacent. <laughs> i'm in the angle um and i feel like a like a cynical nihilistic monster every time i go to like a poetry space where everyone is like so sincere and talking about their feelings <laughs> yeah so what is your poetry about or what is some of it about maybe that's an annoying question um me. i mean so it's about me yeah i it's that's like, like, that's like yeah it's about? like yeah it's what's like, yeah. <laughs> i thought about that i thought um, about that but then i also do well, you know some, a lot of poets who do have like topics yeah. that they cover oh, there are some yeah. Of, yeah there's some poets who are like my all i write about is parasitic birds um but it is also somehow about them Everything is about you. Yeah, I write about, like, you know, Latina identity, my family, being a woman, um, love. I have this project right now that's about Selena, the late Selena. I was murdered by her. um, Yolanda. Yolanda, her best friend. Um, And I kind of felt, like, annoyed at all of the... Uh, like forms I had to do with poetry. I'm like in poetry school, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, getting an MFA, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like in, in my school, it's just like very, you're like, okay, you don't have, this isn't in a form. Are you a poet? Genre is important. Um, and that was really frustrating. This is all to say that the whole project is like in a narrative and it's like an opera and like telling a story. And the story is like, I bring Selena back from the dead and there are disastrous consequences. Um, anyway, that's what I'm, (laughs) that's what it's about right now. (laughs) I remember seeing this is probably very stupid, but I just, my, my my introduction to Selena was, the movie yeah when i was a an iconic an iconic movie when i was yeah. a, when i was a kid 
Um, have you seen the movie? I have not. But oh. I like have never seen most movies. Yeah, how I don't know if it's aged well. <laughs> um, a lot of like but it was really white pants. A lot of high waisted white pants. A lot of J Lo um, with bangs. Yeah, um, really like highly curled bangs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a big um, moment of re- that was like the only moment of representation for like twenty years <laughs> for Latinas. <laughs> so. This is a question that I think is an annoying question before I ask it, but no it worries. does feel yeah. uh, apropos of this podcast. Do it. What do you feel like the relationship between politics and poetry is? Is there oh, a relationship? Wow. Yeah. I like that question. It's great. Oh, okay. I would yeah. be annoyed if no, someone asked me worry. that about comedy, I guess. Sometimes people are like, what do you think about poetry on the page versus poetry that you're speaking? And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, I don't, I just like black out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think especially like recently and in like the spoken word community, um, which has like bled into the just traditional literary community, plot twists, they're all the same. Um, there is like a bigger emphasis on being like political political and kind of that also meaning like the political the personal is political um and giving like more like space and airtime to like marginalized people people of color trans people the queer community like i've seen people become activists because of poetry or be like inspired to be like more political in their lives because of poetry for a while i thought like just writing poetry was like a political act because like the person's political blah 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 um and like one time i tried to sell my book to an agent and she said it wasn't political enough um oh. or and i was like why and then she was like because there's too many love poems and i was like love poems are political <laughs> fucking i hated that so much love um, is political love is so political um what was i saying but i think i also have been just like in the last few years thinking that it's like not enough to just be writing about yourself and not enough to like I don't know be telling a story and while that is important it's important for people to like see themselves and and hear something that has been missing like it isn't like on the ground activism (laughs) um and like I've seen people like thinking that it is <laughs> um, yeah that happens in comedy too. yeah absolutely like people will consider jokes to be <laughs> I, mean, no, but, like, I mean all three of us are like deeply on twitter how many people right. fucking think that tweeting is activism right like, uh, well at oh. least one myself so. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean um, i'm making change no i yeah it's interesting because there are so many parallels between poetry and comedy but i mm-hmm. obviously everyone is different and there are a lot of comedians who find it who find like pain uh to be like a wellspring of creativity for them for sure but i, I am not one of them yeah like i i have a very hard time if, if i'm going through something mm-hmm. um i can't I, I don't think anything's funny right but poetry to me seems like that's an emotion that you're like allowed to really like explore oh yeah so are there some times when like the news like paralyzes you and you don't want to write or do you Mm. feel like you really want to write yeah i mean sometimes it's like when things are just like suck i feel like it's okay to not be productive at all and then i'm like i don't want to like suck from the (laughs) 
okay the the teat of despair um that was disgusting <laughs> i've coined a term okay i'll say two terms that i've coined an obligated vacation thank you um and um fertile sadness which is like oh it's like sadness but i want to make something yeah. out of it and i feel a lot of it during september because everything is like ending and i'm like oh i feel creative but it's sad um and so i like that and i think i you feel like september is an ending yeah, September's so sad. I feel sad in September yeah. too. Follow to me is a very sad time. It's right. like, oh, here we go. But it's like beautiful. Gearing up for fucking yeah. winter. You guys are crazy. <laughs> you like but fall? it's like I love fall. You, you seem like you would love fall because you're like this fucking scholastic. All right. Hardworking. Oh my god. <laughs> a raven claw. Okay. Well, this just turned into a roast of me loving fall. That's <laughs> like no, I feel like psychedelics and sex like summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like was born in September, so I like really love it. But I feel I'm like, like it's a new beginning. Yeah, honestly. Well, maybe it's but there's because, like a yeah. death in it. I don't know. There okay, is. Well, yeah. There's a literal death. Yeah. yeah. You know who else was born in September? Michael Jackson, Senator Bernie Sanders. <laughs> it's his birthday today. As we record this podcast, <gasps> really? It's his birthday. Really? Happy birthday, Bernie. Oh my god! Yeah. We know what? My birthday fan. was yesterday. Oh wow! Happy birthday, Melissa! Very powerful energy. Oh my god! This, Just Virgos. He would Virgo be a Virgo. Season. What's Elizabeth Warren's sign? I don't know. Oh, should we look it up? She's a Cancer, I think. All right. So okay. Sorry. Sorry. I'm we sorry. About this before okay. We started recording. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get into astrology and crystals. For uh, a let's do it. Because let's do it. All right, so <laughs> all right, so here's the thing. Kate owns crystals. I, I do. There are crystals in her room. I have never bought a crystal. They were Gifted. given to, given to me. She's wearing a dress of crystals. I am not. No. <laughs> all right, so you were saying well, crystals are like a big thing yeah. in the poetry community. Why? Why? Why is everybody popping on the crystal tree? I don't know. I mean, I think poetry feelings is just like very related to something new agey it's like it's 1975 sometimes in the poetry community like everyone's like really into being a witch and stevie nicks and like which sounds rad sounds rad i mean i like witches and i like stevie nicks yeah well okay like one time i did a show um and i killed it and someone comes up to me who is a poet in the community and was like um yeah uh, what's your sign and i was like oh i'm a virgo and then they were like that's so weird you're such a good performer i thought you would be a sagittarius hmm. and then like walked away <laughs> and then i was like what the fuck does that have to do with anything and then everyone is like yeah <laughs> that is it's just it's like become it's like a hard science or like they're so anti-science yeah, <laughs> that so it's this like is, <laughs> this I find is happening in more and more progressive spaces sometimes where it's right. like, because we've been lied to so much mm -hmm. uh, over the years that there is this like weird distrust of science sometimes that I don't yeah, get. But it scares me. Well, yeah, it's like, I mean, I get it, but I don't. Right. We were talking about this before, but we were, yeah, it's like healthcare is so bad pollution is so bad that people are like what if i bathe myself in crystals instead yeah. <laughs> and study astrology instead of medicine yeah i mean and it's like yeah on the one hand i mean i don't fault anyone for believing in 
things that bring them in any sure. kind of yeah. Peace, whatever, you know, whatever gets kind of you, peace, whatever gets you there. Life I'm is really, really hard. That. Yeah, yeah. Life is really hard, but at the same time, like I feel like a lot of this new age stuff has become just another way of not acknowledging that the problem is capitalism. Like, right. Let's say it. Yeah. yeah. Like instead of uh, the fact that you got cancer because there uh, is a ton of pollution in the area where you live, like maybe <sighs> it's because your mind or something like you that. You didn't try hard you enough. You didn't right. try hard enough. <laughs> and like, I feel like the kind of like positive thinking, um, the idea that your fate is whether it is, uh, the stars and the planets or Mercury retrograde that is like fucking up your life or whether you fucked it up with your own mind. Right. Like none of these things involve the truth that billionaires are fucking up your life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I also think that that's like, and you know, minimalism is a great thing, but I also Mm -hmm. think minimalism sprung from that being like late capitalism is such a poisonous environment and you can control that by just ordering the world around you, like your immediate space. Right. Which I don't, I mean, I don't get it, but yeah, it's this weird religion that a lot of artists and progressives have embraced this like new age stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, especially I feel like, yeah, it's being sold to women. Like we were talking about goop earlier. It's right. It's women with disposable income. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, that's, the goop empire it's like wealthy white women uh and (laughs) gillibrand voters (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's also you know how yeah i was talking on my podcast about pyramid schemes and how a lot of them are like directed towards like poor women (laughs) and uh, i feel like a similar thing is happening though it is like it is like heavy to, to do with like you know, privileged women who have disposable income, but also like if you don't have health care, like it's just like you're just like wishing to get better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that like colleges should have like a school wide seminar about like protecting yourselves from multi level marketing scams. Oh my God. Um, when you're a senior or something like that. Yeah. Because recent college grads are like, I, I can't tell you how many women I knew who like right after we graduated, they would like email me with like, you know, clearly they had been drawn into like an MLM or something like mm-hmm. that. And I feel like that's the new crop of people that are like recent grads and yeah. And it's, yeah. And a lot of times it is like single moms and stuff like that too. Or people who didn't go to college at all. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, goop is its own. I mean, they, have incurred so many lawsuits because they literally have been just like peddling pseudoscience and mm-hmm. their whole thing. I mean, the whole thing is like, if you take all of these supplements, buy all these creams, stick a crystal Yanni egg up your vagina, then you can be as uh, holistically well as Gwyneth Paltrow. I, don't wanna- I mean, <laughs> I'm against the insertion of crystals or jade eggs or whatever (laughs) into the badge. And I say this as someone who has really put a lot of things into my badge. Uh, Some of which were attached to bad people. Uh, But to me, crystals feel like the last frontier. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, we can't, I mean, I don't know. Can I I, uh, change course and ask you a very sincere question that I've often thought about, which is like, 
how do you write a poem? Obviously, I know that like years and years of work have like gone into the mastery of your craft. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it sound like I think that this is easy at all. It seems so hard, but like, let's say somebody who's like not trying to be a poet just wants to write a poem to express themselves. Like, how could someone do that? And by someone, I mean myself. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. You should write poems. Um, how do I write a poem? Um, I don't know. What is my process? Some people, yeah. You probably read a lot of poetry in your life and that's yeah. kind of like instructive in some way. Yeah. I don't read a lot of poetry actually. Really? I don't like poetry that much. Oh my God. Um, actually, but that's how a lot of no, stand-ups feel about stand-up. Yeah. You are not the first poet I have heard yeah. to say that. And yeah, stand-up and poetry are both so like far reaching. Right. And- I like, um, music and stories. I like, re- I read a lot of like fiction. Um, and I feel frustrated about like, what a poem should look like poetry is like it's it's really like the most it should be the most accessible thing mm-hmm. and i think i sometimes don't see it that way um but how do you write a poem um i like to um keep notes in my phone and i gather thoughts that i have in my phone and then i collect I, it's like have i'm like collecting for like a long time and then i like when I feel the fertile sadness, (laughs) um, I don't know, I pay attention to it and I write something down, but then I'm like, it's, it's hard to like, uh, um, decipher like what is a poem and what isn't. Cause sometimes I'm like writing a story. Um, but also because I've been writing poetry for so long, my grammar is really bad and I don't know like where to put periods, (laughs) um, or commas. So now I'm like, uh, how do I write a sentence? Someone tell me. Um, <laughs> that does yeah. sound sort of similar to writing jokes. Yeah. How do you write a joke? Uh, kind of like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. I think it helps to... Uh, I think it helps to be obsessed enough with something that you're turning it over in yeah. all angles from your mind. I know, like, for wow, me... Wow, that's if like I, writing like, a poem. Yeah, yeah and for me, if I, like, try to write a joke about something, like, I, I can. I can, like, squeeze out a joke about something, but the best jokes, I think, come from, like, the topics that I am truly obsessed with. Yeah, yeah, same. And I think that one of the things that is perhaps a crossover between both mediums is, like, word economy, maybe, is, oh. like, I, I always want to say what I can say in the least words possible yeah um a poem you know yeah um my jokes are poetry basically that's <laughs> what i'm saying and i'm uh boy can, i yes. just cannot oh, stop snapping. creating beauty <laughs> it's so hard for me i want to and i can't i want to and i simply it's can't. like everything's a song <laughs> <laughs> my jokes are poetry <laughs> um how do you can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. yeah. Do you feel it, like because you are both comedians and in comedian spaces, like you want to be sincere sometimes and you can't? Yeah, that's what we pod. Yeah. yeah that, this is, this is <laughs> no, I feel like this all the time. I, I, it's kind of like how I feel among non comedians. I feel like the biggest fuck up everybody knows. And then among comedians, I feel like 
a United States senator. Like, I <laughs> that's feel what like people say about you too. I know people are like Julia should run for office. I'm like she is very smart, but is that just bit, like is is it really enough to like uh, just eat vegetables? Like that's the I mean like if, there's, if it were I would that's my platform. No, wow. I eat a lot of vegetables. You, you are an extremely smart person, but I, I like I feel like sometimes when people are like, wow, Julia. <laughs> Julia has it all together. Like from where that person is standing. No, that's what I'm saying. That I've seen you eat a carrot. I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm the most together comedian, and I am the biggest fuck up to everyone else. Like my yeah. one of my uh, one of my very close friends in Boston is my age and has a literal board seat on like the like a multinational. Um, charity like she like worked her way up she's my age and she's been in the workforce the same amount of years that i have and she like literally worked her way up at 28 to like a director position with a board seat what on an international charity and so i'm like oh yeah i'm uh i really aggressively paying off my student loans thank you oh my god (laughs) i mean i think when i first started comedy i felt very weird Mm -hmm. around comedians because i felt like i don't know i mean just so many comedians are men mm-hmm. so many are straight men yeah so many of them only ever want to do bits yeah i mean right. which is exhausting and i'm like i i am a pretty sincere person a lot of the times i, do, I just can't i love doing bits but there's a there's a ceiling on it i don't want to do yeah. it for every interaction we fucking have it's like oh, when yeah. you're playing a car game but I you're know. not in a car yeah yeah, yeah. exactly well but here's the thing i was going to say is that i think now like i've been doing comedy for like almost eight years at this point and like um i'm also in my 30s now and i feel like comedy has kind of like become my refuge because everywhere else i go like whenever i hang out with people who don't do comedy for the most part like there's just so many questions about like marriage and babies and money and i'm just like oh yeah i'm not doing uh any of those (laughs) things right now and personally i'm not doing money right now (laughs) yeah yeah, i guess i sometimes do feel like the desire to be sincere more both artistically and like in community and sometimes that feels weird with comedy but like to me it's offset by like just getting to hang around with a bunch of people who value me for my dick jokes instead of just like wondering why i'm not a mom yeah yeah for sure um so melissa you're in an mfa program Mm -hmm. um here in new york and um there have been, you know, kind of systematically over the decades, like major cuts to arts funding mm-hmm. um, across the country. And I'm sure that that affects you as well. And, you know, the arts are not known for, as you know, we discuss very often on this podcast, the arts are not known for producing extremely lucrative careers for everyone. Yeah. There's certainly a, a top. Um, but what ha- how has that kind of shown itself in your experience yeah so a few things um i'm in an mfa program i'm half funded so like a half scholarship um so i go part-time and it's basically free except i pay for health insurance um but before that i had to like take out a bunch of loans um 
and the way I am always like it's I am in debt to school but the way I make money is through other people's debt to school (laughs) so like as a performer and a poet I get like booked for shows at colleges um and like you know the Latina like community will or like the Latina club will bring me on or like the feminist club or like whatever and I go in for all those like special months um and I like make a living doing that and it's great but it's coming from like a student activity fee that is either paying me or like a magician um <laughs> or like a comedian magician God. um and that's what i hate more than a comedy magician I know. <laughs> that is you know yeah. why because they always crush yeah i hate it i've been on so many shows with magicians and they, and they always kill what i don't know why but anyways they're it's better so, than us <laughs> i hate it it's so scary to me <laughs> um so that is always like i'm like okay how i'm like living in new york because i'm this is like people's like student activity fees. It's like very strange. Um, but also like MFA programs, I have learned so much from them and like I've become maybe the only thing that has made me a better writer is that I'm like a better reader now. And Mm -hmm. like, I understand like how things work. Um, and definitely like this project that I'm working on is like, because of, it was an MFA program, blah, blah, blah. But also they're like cash cows. (laughs) Um, and if you're not fully funded, like you shouldn't go to one. Um, I wish I told myself this two years ago, but whatever, I don't care. Ha. Um, so so with being half funded, you still had to take out loans. Yeah. Cause I was going full time. Okay. Um, something else about, um, MFA program, that I want to share with you is that um, the CIA, I don't know if you know this, but when the Iowa Writers Program started, it was funded by the CIA because the CIA wanted to have a hand in what was being like expelled in the literary community. Oh my God. And I don't know how, this is like kind of speculative, but the phrase show don't tell um, was like started around then when there was like a lot of fear of communism. <laughs> And people were like, oh, show, don't tell, like be more like descriptive with your language. Don't like say what you mean because it like incites, um, anger (laughs) and like community building. Um, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I was in an MFA program. Yeah. I was in an MFA acting program. Oh my God. Yeah. Like a long time ago. Like I, yeah, I got kicked out (gasps) and I was very sad at the time, but now I'm so glad because I would have the infinity yeah. if I stayed there I had no idea no. oh my gosh yeah. mm-hmm. I was I definitely like I think that it can be so amazing for people to have a yeah. concentrated time to focus on their art and like mm-hmm. you know some of the people that are teaching in these programs are like amazing but I also think that whenever the question of what is good art yeah. is on the table yeah. there's always a who that's deciding what is good art yeah. and sometimes uh, MFA programs can end up, I think, reinforcing like the, the normative view yeah. of what is good or not. Melissa, mm-hmm. as someone we've discussed, uh, who is also deeply on Twitter. Oh yeah. Do you have any good stories or any stories at all about any memorable reply guys? Yes. Um, I have so many reply guys. Fuck. You really do. Yeah. You well, have of, you have a lot of Twitter followers. Um, uh, well, there's one guy, you ever search your name on Twitter? 
Don't do okay. that. Um, no. So I, I would do it a lot. And someone just said, Melissa Lozada, no, Melissa Lozada Oliva, if you're reading this, your poetry sucks. And then <laughs> I interviewed him because I was like, oh. why do you think my poetry sucks? And he was like, because feminism is boring. <laughs> and then I was like, what's your favorite animal? And he was like, a dolphin because they fuck. <laughs> um, All and, animals fuck, man. Yeah, I, I was mean, like, I guess, yeah, there some I guess that I'm just it's really the minority. And somewhere off. that was the director right. of an MFA program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was featured on Instagram's Instagram and I got a lot of reply guys from it. Um, all of them are from South Asia for some reason, mm-hmm. and they tag me in selfies, oh, and um, or they respond to my pictures and they say "fuck your boobs." Um, okay. Or yeah, very um, specific. It's just like very. <laughs> they want to or don't, just they I don't, don't know. Like them, or? Yeah, I have no I idea. I can't imagine I, anyone who wouldn't like them. Yeah. But. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So that is curious. It's funny. Sometimes I'm worried I'll be murdered. Yeah. But we all are, right? Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. We all have hey. that, that constant yeah. fear. <laughs> well, I guess that's a... And that... That is a note to end on. Yeah. I mean, not permanently. Not Let's permanently. Not get yeah. We're not going to get murdered. Where can our listeners find your work? Um, I... You can follow me at L-O Melissa everywhere. E-L-L-O Melissa. I post my poems and my work and my shows that I'm doing there. Um, and you can listen to Seymour Podcast wherever also. Yeah. She's a great performer. <gasps> Thank you. A lot, of, uh, a lot of good vids on YouTube of her, yeah. her older work um, and some of her newer work. <laughs> um, yeah, Seymour rocks. And thank you so much for being with us today. This yeah, was so fun. thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is my land.